You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. I can't believe it's started with Australia New Zealand final. Hello and welcome to Rain.Play and welcome to our snapshot reaction of the two T20 World Cup semi-finals and we'll have a little preview to the final on Sunday as well. Um, I'm joined by Zach and Will. Will, as we speak, you're trying to buy tickets for the Edgebaston test, England versus India. How are you getting on? You look very stressed. I think I'll be all right. They've sent me a little promo code. So I'm, in, I'm in the site. I just need to find our seats. Okay, cool. I'll let you plug away with that while we do the intro. Uh, and Zach, how are you? Congratulations. Your prediction that you definitely made off your own back came true. We have an Australia-New Zealand final. How do you feel about that? That's the best prediction anyone's ever made on this podcast. Uh, I, have, I have mixed feelings about it. So I've, I've just realised I also got an email telling me I can register my interest for England-India. But if tickets are coming out now, it's a bit late. I think yeah uh, yeah I think so, the registering interest point has has departed. Well, we'll leave Will to get his tickets. Um, unfortunately, we're recording this quite early in the morning in the UK. Um, so Glenn is fast asleep somewhere in Iowa, always you know partying somewhere. Who knows? But he has sent us a nice little voice note. Um, we had to hear his opinion on these two semi-finals. So without further ado, I'll introduce Glenn to give you his summary. Hey everyone. Um, sad I can't be on the podcast uh, today with you all live in person because there's a lot to talk about. Um, but first of all, of course, you know I'm about to say it, two words, winning mentality. Uh, you told me I was wrong. You pointed to a lot of historical evidence that showed Australia weren't very good at T20 cricket, which I should have been aware of beforehand. Uh, but I stuck to my convictions, stuck to my guns, and would you believe it, they are in the... World Cup final. Um, it, it's surprising. Uh, I'll get onto that in a second um, because I do want to go slightly chronologically and just mention a few thoughts about um, England, uh, New Zealand first. 
as an England fan perspective, I think it was it was disappointing because I think there were times when I thought we were going to win the game. Um, on the flip side, I think you know there were moments when I thought maybe it wasn't going to click. Uh, you know, was when Butler got out, that was pretty disappointing for us. Bearstow didn't quite work. Um, you know, when he got 13 off 17, not not to blame him at all. You know, it's a difficult situation to be pushed up the order. And I think it really demonstrated and underlined the importance of Roy. Um, and as we as we as we found out, um, Mills as well. Uh, I think there were two big um, injury uh, injuries for England, which which we didn't really um, adapt to well enough. But yeah, looking down the batting order, I mean, we, we I'll be honest uh, to our listeners, all of us were cringing when Milan started his innings in typically slow, um, anchor-ish fashion. And would you believe it, he did turn it around. I thought he played a really beautifully paced innings. Uh, he, he measured it, you know, 41 of 30 was exactly what we needed. A very healthy strike rate of, you know, above 130. Milan showed at least why I think the selectors kept so much faith in him. Uh, and Moeen Ali, I mean, what a superb innings. 51 not out. Uh, came in exactly what we needed from him, you know, in the middle order. Batted beautifully. Uh, some of those strokes were effortless. And he's exactly, he had exactly the impetus that our innings needed. And it was a shame that Livingstone, obviously, you know, he got 17 of 10, but it's a shame that he couldn't just push that to maybe, you know, a quick fire 25. So, yeah, you know, 166. Um, you know, it was competitive. We were probably hoping, I think Zach said 170 was going to be par, which I agree with. I think we at least needed another 10 runs. Um, would you believe it? New Zealand made it look easy, and it was not an easy run chase. And that's kind of what I mentioned earlier um, in terms of thinking the England were doing well. I mean, Livingstone's was just absolutely sensational. You know, four overs, two wickets, 22 runs. Uh, that that over, I think, you know, a wicket, a stack of dots in there towards the end of the game. I at that point, I genuinely thought that uh, that England were gonna were gonna win it. Um, but it wasn't to be. And I mean, you know, congratulations, New Zealand. Mitchell was sensational. Uh, Conway was fantastic. Although when he got out, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know, he he uh, broke his broke his hand on his bat in anger, which was uh, pretty schoolboyish, uh, pretty immature. Which is a shame because they're going to miss him, and they're also going to miss a wicketkeeper now, which means it's it's a serious injury, uh, not only to him, which we wish him the best on, but it also damages the structure of the squad. Um, anyway, congratulations, New Zealand. Uh, you know, delighted at least for you as a country to make it because we all know how 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 hard the the one day final was back in England in 2019, and you've you you know they've shown how good they are across formats in the last two years, three years. It really is spectacular. Um, I don't want to talk for too much longer because uh, our listeners probably want to hear another voice. But I mean, the Pakistan Australia game, everything everything that's good about T20 cricket demonstrated in you know three hours. Uh, the quality of cricket on both teams was immensely high. Um, you know, Pakistan, Rizwan, Babar Azam. I mean, they are, in my opinion, you know, two, the two best openers you could ask for in this format. Rizwan with just another ridiculously sublime 67. Uh, Fakhar was just was just some monstrous hitting in that in that 55 it, of a strike rate of approaching 200 across nearly 32 balls is just is just wonderful. Uh, those sixes were massive. So Pakistan. You know, 176, I thought that was probably going to be enough, um, especially when Australia lost um, Finch, you know, first ball um, to Shaheen in the in the first over. So uh, I thought, you know, Pakistan probably were looking very, very solid, um, a very great bowling attack. Uh, you know, Shadab getting a fourth was just fantastic. But... 
you know, I don't want to say it again, but what did Australia demonstrate? A winning mentality. You know, we've said it almost enough for it to be a bit of a joke now, but I couldn't believe the steel and grit they showed in the lower order. I mean, you know, Warner, that 49 was superb. And the fact that he wasn't out and he walked off and he didn't review it uh, was, you know, I thought that was probably an indication that it wasn't Australia's semi-final. It wasn't Australia's year. But with that said... Um, with, you know, Maxwell Smith not coming off, you kind of thought, well, the, the innings is kind of fading away here. I mean, Stoinis and Wade were just, uh, you know, amazing. Uh, Stoinis is 40, you know, was just really, really, um, solid. He, again, he kind of anchored the innings in a way, but kept it going, kept having, pushing the momentum. Um, and Wade, I mean, take a bow. I mean, if you ever want to see a match winning innings, um, in a, in a high-pressure environment, I mean, look at him, 41 off 17, strike rate of nearly 250, no player has a right to do that against bowling as such high quality as Pakistan's, and yeah, obviously, um, there were sad moments, uh, Hassan Ali was, uh, he did he drop the semi-final, of course he did, he drops the ball, uh, Wade hits three consecutive sixes. I mean, you can't write these things. It's you know, it's it, it's cinematic. It's it's incredible. So, it's a shame we all wanted an England Pakistan final. <laughs> what we got was a New Zealand Australia final. Uh, although I would love to be proved right and for Australia to win it, I think that'd be quite funny. I would still love to see them smashed uh, by New Zealand in a couple of days on Sunday. Uh, for obvious reasons, not the most likable Australia team, and I think collectively the cricket community really does um, like uh, the New Zealand team a lot. But anyway, that's my piece. Uh, thank you for listening. Slightly longer than I was expecting, um, but make of it what you will. Right. Thank you very much, Glenn. Great to hear his views. We had to we had to get him in. Obviously, we can't we can't di- not include him because he's asleep. That's just his problem. Um. So and he's brought up a lot of points that we're gonna we're gonna hit now. Uh, we'll start like he did chronologically with England, New Zealand, fairly brutal. And can I just can I say one thing? I think this tournament heard our podcast on Monday, uh, and took it personally because those two games were awesome, weren't they, boys? I think we can can we talk about generally that they were two very good T Twenty games. Two brilliant games, the games that the tournament needed yes, and the games that made me think yesterday, will we look back on this tournament and think it was all really good just because of these games? Will we be here next year when we're talking about this, you know, when we're talking about another dull end to the Super 12s in Australia? And and will we say, oh, nowhere near as good as last year's T20 World Cup? I I think probably not. We, we, We maybe won't talk about that purely because England haven't won. Yeah, exactly. In, or India haven't won. So we won't talk about, we, we will still remember the bad times, but the end of a tournament does often give you rose-tinted glasses about the kind of the dull patches. Most tournaments have a dull patch. This this tournament had a you know, kind of a dull tournament, really. But. Yeah, but these, you know, these two games, and hopefully a good final coming up, probably not with those two teams, will you know stay in the memory a little bit longer but they were fun weren't they and we'll come on to that but let's start with england new zealand that hurt that hurt actually that that really wound me up that game i got quite angry on on wednesday night watching that i wasn't i wasn't in a great mood because i felt like we as england had it and it was it was the game we've been so poised up until that livingston over in which he went for what two runs and took a wicket and i thought that was probably it and then Jordan came on. He, Jordan feels like the Hassan Ali of, of this semi-final. And I don't, I don't want to point him out. And I think as much as the Sky Pundits tried not to, 
he missed his lengths and I don't quite understand what was going on with him or with Woke. They were bowling it in the slot very famously. So for me, that's where the game turned. Do you boys agree with that? Or do you think it, we, we go back to the batting and that, as Glenn said, we were probably 10 runs short of, of a good total? I think I think we would we were ten runs short probably of a good total one one seven you know one six five one seventy a halfway stage I thought it's fifty fifty this is par and with the I wasn't confident because of the due factor it didn't seem to be coming into it at the start but I think it certainly did by the end and the Chris Jordan over bowling him then rather than bowling him kind of because he bowled seventeenth and he tw- was would have bowled twentieth we presume rather than bowling eighteenth I like the use of him then because it was like right if, if Chris Jordan bowls a tight over here we've got Wokes and Rashid to bowl and over but they're going to need 20 and over if he bowls a tight over because it was 50 57 they needed off the last four say it goes down to you know 47 from three that's a, that's that's not easy okay say he keeps it to 50 say he keeps it to you know seven off the over and you, you he's our premier death bowler in this he's a flawed death bowler and has been like he you know, he's been talked up and is well thought of in the camp, but, you know, he's he's not one of the best death bowlers in the world. His economy rate over the last couple of years hasn't been good. He hasn't performed that well. So I, I don't think I'm, you know, it, it's disappointing and he was missing his length, but also not that surprising. We knew before this tournament, our death bowling was short because we were missing Archer because, you know, absolute gun, one of the best teamers in T20 cricket in the world, you know, definitely top three. So we were always going to be short. And then we had Mills come in who did well in the first couple of games and doesn't bowl Yorkers really anywhere near as much as Jordan does. And that was working. And that's what worked during the IPL for lots of teams, not bowling Yorkers, because if you pitch it up full, particularly at Sharjah, which I know we weren't playing at Sharjah yesterday, sorry, whenever it was, Wednesday, if you pitch it full at Sharjah and miss slightly, that's the easiest balls to hit on these slower, on these slower decks, as the uh, commentators call them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really was our death bowling. I think we all knew coming into this game with the injuries, this was going to be the problem. And I just, it just felt like we were going to get away with it because Livingston got away with four overs. And, and he is a good bowler, Livingston, so I feel bad saying you get away with his overs. You'd never say that about, you know... Uh, Chris Wokes or Mark Wood don't get away with their overs but we did and we snuck those in couldn't bowl Moeen because of matchups which I'm incredibly bored of by the way we can come on to that in a minute um, and it was just that over and then and then Wokes his 19th over as well where he was and Nasser same was saying on commentary he was neither bowling short deliveries hard into the pitch or Yorkers it was it was this sort of middle length um, I promise we'll come on to praise New Zealand in a minute because I do think they won it rather than England losing it but should we talk about the batting? Bairstow didn't work. Again, Glenn said it uh, very, very much correctly. Bairstow didn't work, Will. Um, that's fine. I still think he was the right answer, though. And he's just not had a good tournament. He's not in great nick at the minute anyway, is he really? So I think it was the right choice still. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have to defend that because it's what I said on the last podcast. Exactly. Same. <laughs> same. We're in the same, we're in the same boat. We're all in the, we're all in the same boat. Let's um, But no, I, I think it was the right decision. Um because I think out and out, he's the best opener of the options that you had. I hear the argument that you want to space out your best players a little bit. So maybe it wasn't the most sensible thing in the world, having him and Butler together. Um, but who else was going to do it? David Milan? I mean, that would have been so much more depressing. Um, and I think, you know, a, a recurring theme with with us talking about T20, I think, is that it is inherently just such a chaotic format that one-off games 
happen and you can't overstress about them too much. There's a universe where Bairstow opened and batted very well. This one isn't it, which is a shame for him. Um, well, and there's a universe where that cat, that unbelievable relay catch he took, his knee didn't quite hit the Toberone. Uh, uh, or, or Jordan, where he sort of flicked one backwards and it didn't quite flick the Toberone. Yeah. Can we get a quick measurement on the Toberone? Was that was that a, uh, a legally sized Toberone? Maybe it was too well, large. But anyway, this, you know, those catches go in, that, those ones get stopped and we win this. It's definitely discourse for another day. It's one of the most minor issues in the world. But I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think the Toblerone should be there, really. I don't think there should be a Toblerone. If there was no Toblerone, I think the catch stands. Well, do you want so, a, a piece of old rope? Or yeah, I want just yeah, some kind of boundary flags rope. like we yeah. have. No, that's too village. A that's too white line. <laughs> yeah, it's rope. I want no, a rope. Just, they're, selling adver- they're selling advertising space, and it costs us the game. There it is. There's, oh, there's the discord. Oh, 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 <laughs> wow! So almost cost Glenn Phillips his life. Oh, I know. That looked rough. That did. He flew over it. The, the cameraman um, looked so worried. Yeah, I think I thought he'd like slice down the board, but he said he like hit his finger on a metal thing behind it or something. Came into bowl afterwards, so very gritty um, from Glenn Phillips. Um, Milan, quick chat on Milan. Good knock, like Glenn said. How about those cover drives, Zach? You were shaking your head for the whole time we sat and listened to that Glenn um, voice note. You were shaking your head about Milan, so I'll let you come in on this. But we can't. You can't not talk about those cover drives. Those series of beautiful into-out cover drives. <laughs> they were lovely, yes. <laughs> and him and Moeen's innings in the end was lovely. But those two going both going slow at the same time. It's not Owen Morgan's England side, is it? This might be Darren Milan in general, though, right? I don't understand well, why he's a big part of this team when they, the sort of narrative coming out of the side is we go hard, we keep going like the J, like Jason Roy epitomizes it. And they said that after after losing him to injury. Darren Milan doesn't, yet they continue to pick him. No, and I, I do wonder how long the the patience is going to last. I don't think he had quite a bad enough tournament to go, annoyingly. I was I was kind of either hoping he has an absolute car crash of a tournament early on, so it doesn't cost us. And um, like his innings didn't I don't think his innings necessarily cost us today. We we didn't know well, it got the, it got the power us through, play it did get us to the line in the end. Let's give him some credit. Yeah, and in his power, like the power play wasn't very good either. You know, we, we were forty for one after the power play, which is not, you know, that's not that's not the way this team plays. They're, that's you know, not England. No, they're sixty, no matter whether it's sixty for three or sixty without loss. You know, I, it was it was slow going. It was you know, Livingston said at the at the end of the innings in the kind of interview, he said there was a bit of a slow pitch, a bit too paced. And that they thought it was par. I mean, he was pretty happy because he just hit 17 off 10. Like Glenn said, would have been nice for him to do a bit, like hit a few more, but he hit one beautiful six. Moeen, you know, ended up doing really well, but started really slowly. I don't know if, you know, he took down the spin a bit. They didn't bowl Santa because they knew he was going to absolutely dine out, which I would have loved to see. Can I, I, can I nip in there on this matchup nonsense? It is an absolute load of statisticians' word because, it, like Mitch Santner, you picked him as your second spinner. You know, you know what? No, we're we're not going to trust his skills or the fact he's a good bowler because there's a guy who holds it left-handed. Do you not think that's just nonsense? And it was the same with Moeen. We didn't bowl Moeen because he was a right-hander. In is that the way the world works now? I love that every now and again Dan goes full talk sports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get uh, so, so one one thing to pick up on here, 
Other, as well as there being one right-hander in, the reason we didn't bat, we didn't bowl Moeen, Devin Conway is also like the best left-hander in the world at playing off-spin. So that's why Livingston bowled and didn't bowl off-spin at him. So that's fair. That's fair. It wasn't just it wasn't just the right hander. The matchups like did you see Ashwin? You're you're really you just want Ashwin to notice your dad, don't you? Really? Did you see I Ashwin do. on Twitter? Yeah, I very much did. Hello. So, what about Matt? I think there's a difference though. I don't. I mean, Glenn Phillips is a, is a wicket keeper. <laughs> bowling it's just is... like poor old Mitch Santner, who was there at the end, bless him, with the bat. It's just like, oh, I'm not bowling because he's he, he holds it another way around. How about the fact I'm quite a good bowler? You know, I've got lots of skills. Do you know what I mean? Am I just being like? No, I agree. I think you're. No, I think you're right. But also, it worked to be fair to New Zealand because he maybe he did get tonked around, and maybe it worked because Moeen would have got tonked. Yeah, and it's very easy to disregard, as you say, the the, the statisticians, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, over a big body of evidence, they're usually right. So I know, I know, I know. I I, I bow down to the numbers. Do you see England got the old England got the numbers out again? The little got, yeah. Was that the first time of the tournament, or just the first time the camera decided to to mention they, they, it? They've been they, there, they've been there constantly. Oh, it's just okay. the first time the camera. It just I felt think. like convenient the first time they'd use it for that. Um, well, we must praise New Zealand because they won the game. Um, and after a couple of days of reflection, I am happy for them, especially because they're going to face against Australia. And we, as Glenn said, love to see them get battered. Let's start with Mitchell, who is the breakout star. And I thought that whole Mitchell-Conway partnership, when they were 13 for two, lost the bigger names in Gupton and Williamson really early. The ones that I know when when they were gone, I was like, right, that's the, that's the big names gone. Let's just get these guys out. I think we all underestimated them slightly as fans. Brilliant partnership. I can't remember what it was now. 85, 90, something large. And Mitchell take them over the line was unbelievable. Um, a word on Mitchell, who nobody knew could open the batting, and is now the best in the world. Uh, he did. He 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 looked like he was going to cost them the game at one point. Being, I think it was forty-seven from forty, and then ended up hitting something like twenty-five runs from seven balls, which is trust the process. Silly. And he 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 dined out. Yeah, and he you know he didn't doesn't open the batting generally. That's, so everyone says he doesn't open the batting. Had hadn't really opened the batting before this. I always thought of him as a you know middle order in the test and bowls a bit of seam. But he hasn't bowled a bit of seam in this, has he? he, he am I no, wrong? No seam. No, you're right. Seam? Doesn't he bat us like yeah. six? Like the Degrand, like a slightly. Yeah, he's a bit like Degrand. Yeah, Degrand. Yeah, but yeah, interesting to see him open, and yeah, it worked. And Nisham redemption for Nisham after yeah, the 2019 World Cup. That's been the kind of. The you know the story hasn't it the the story arc and he looks good Jimmy Neesham he hit the ball very far I've not seen him do that for a long time though like even when he yeah. played I can't remember who he played for in the IPL uh, Mumbai this year and then yeah uh, and, Kings a couple of years ago maybe last year but that's why he's in the team and he got that important wicket of Livingston I think in in the last over you sort of see him you see him trundle up for the last over you go right let's have a piece of this and he's got a bit of a golden arm hasn't he actually for New Zealand. Because he did it in the he did it in the game against Afghanistan, bowled the last over, and it was kind of because whilst going through the innings, I was looking at the the things and thinking, I think Nisham's going to end up bowling the last over here, and you know, it always makes me think of Stoinis because you know they're basically the same player, um, and uh, Stoinis bowling the last over in the IPL. I remember the two or three times that happened, it was like 25, Very 20, disastrous. 22. <laughs> yeah, it was always terrible. So I was like, right. First of all, for Afghanistan, I was like, right, here we go, and he only went for three and is over. <laughs> And then, 
you know, yesterday he took a wicket. He didn't go for, I think we got about 10 in the last over maybe, but, you know, it wasn't amazing. I, the, my main problem with our innings was that Southie was able to bowl three overs in the power play back to back. If Jason Roy was playing, what that second over, he goes after him. Yeah. It might work, it might not, but it, we didn't, we kind of just let him kind of settle. Yep. He bowled three overs, not for 15 in the power play. And there was a bit of movement around, wasn't it? Like, as you said, a that little in the bit, previews, yeah. like, there was enough there, especially to worry someone like Bairstow. Um, and you're right. I think the, the loss of Roy and then Mills was huge. We, we missed Mills so much. Never thought we'd miss him that much. We just didn't have that different angle. And we got to think, you know, you plug, you plug Curran and Archer into this bowling attack and we'd have won that game. But that, that's, that's what it was for this time. Um, we'll preview New Zealand in the final. We'll, go, we'll do a little final preview later in the pod. Um, should we look at what happens now for England very briefly before we chat about Australia, Pakistan? Um, your first point of order, Zach, that you've listed is, could Morgan retire? Now, he was asked this by Michael Atherton um, and he gave a very shrewd sort of shouldered arms for the answer slightly however for me if there wasn't a world cup in a year i think it probably might have been his last game but i think he's still got enough in the tank to see us through one more world cup and hopefully win it i think that's true but also uh, uh, matt roller from Crickinford did a really good piece it was kind of like if not now then when because there's a world cup in 2023 there's a world cup in 2024 right so is it going to kind of go on? Has he got one more? Has he got one more? His, his you know, I think, yeah, he'll probably go on for one more. I I, I named, a, I gave you guys a um, T20 World Cup side that I would pick for next year. And he, he's not in it. I did see that. And that yeah, made me sad. Because, you know, I, he, he can go on as captain, but his, his form continues as is. And we know his form is... One, he's one. He's always one knock away. It's not, his form has really ebbed and flowed. It's not like he's been consistently bad over the last, you know, two three years. In twenty twenty, he was in unbelievable form. But I don't know. It's just specialist captain. How long is that going to work? I think the easy answer to oh, there are so many World Cups. So if not now, then when? Is probably if England had won this World Cup, it would have been now. Yeah. Given that they didn't, it's quite tempting to hang on for another year. And if you win that, you can go. Um, but I have a sneaky suspicion that this might be it. Just because I feel like we know that his form wasn't great in recent months. It did feel a bit like you were sort of crawling on to get to this World Cup point, and, th- and that was a bit of a last stand. I'm sure he'd love to play the next one and, and try and win that. But as you say, if he's if he can't be confident in himself that in 12 months he's in the best team, which it sounded like from his pre-tournament comments that that was possibly going through his mind then it's hard to to carry on as captain i think yeah that's a great point actually if he's going through his mind now already what happens in a year and when you maybe want to start introducing some younger middle order finishes where he sits and what he does um and i think technically butler could be as equal a captain well well did we see the uh the disdain uh, oh when, uh, god, that was hilarious! That I mean, was it the didn't look thing. that bad. That was some <laughs> of the worst. I like Simon Dole. I like yeah. Simon Dole. Yeah. My guy just my guy had gone for about twenty already. Bowls a stinking wide and wants Josh Butler to give him the, the give him the big up. He wasn't even that. He wasn't even that angry. He just went, oh, you know what? There's the ball. It was it was really funny. <laughs> it well, was I think slightly disdainful. Right. Simon Dole realised he didn't actually look that nonplussed. He was like, oh, 
I was expecting like him to like properly lob it down or lob it away on the replay. The bird or something. I was like, Simon, he moved the ball onwards. We've got a game to play. It's true, but to to to, to buy into the uh, over. Oh, what's the what's what's the word? The t- the talk sportification of this incident. Sportification. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, what sensationalizing? That's what that's yeah, the word that's, I'm after. The word. There you go. To buy into the sensationalizing for a second, which is a word I can't say. I'm now finding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't that bad, but equally nobody did what we saw various Pakistan players doing with Hassan Ali yesterday, which is sort of go over to him, have a little chat, be like, "Don't worry, mate. It's fine. It's just a game." <laughs> No, everyone was just, there was just like steely silence around mm. the pitch, which was a bit weird from an England team under Morgan that has been very defined by it's we're all in this together, we're a team, everything's happy. That was probably the closest I saw this England team to like to getting a bit dark. Yeah, like it, was, it, was, it was a rough over for Jordan. It was so tense, I think. I think the game yeah. was in the balance. I think what had happened, and I was doing it watching the telly, is we kind of knew the game was gone there. And I yeah. think everyone, no one was in a mood to pat him on the back. Whereas with Hassan Ali, maybe they're like, okay, we can still do this. We can still do this. But then obviously they didn't. But I, maybe it was the mood. But it, that's, that's not a bad point. Maybe we'll look out for this. Little crumbs of anger within the England team. Just quickly on, the, on retirement and looking forward to next year. We did make the point before the pod that this is a really old England team already. And they're all, they're all still kind of in their peak of playing quite well, most of them. So you'd expect most of the team to still be the same in, in a year. But I do wonder if there's any other names that we think could break into that. Because Livingston famously is the youngest member of that 11 and he's 28. 28 years old. That, I, I read that. I think I read that Matt Roller piece on about Zach. And between 28 and 35, everybody was. Obviously, you're missing Archer and Curran, who would bring that average age down slightly. But yeah, who else is going to come into this team? So... Uh, a couple people. One is uh, not very young, and we, I think save him, save him, Zach. Okay, <laughs> or do you want to go now? No, go now. Sorry, go now. I know who this is. Bill, I'm building up. Okay, to it. you want to build up to? It. Okay, I, c- I can mention the other people first. You be the other people and then drop the bombshell. Ben Stokes, obviously oh, yeah. not young. Oh, I've heard of him, but yeah, I think a lot of people have been referring to kind of Livingston as the UAE Stokes, which I, I really don't like because of his just kind of part-time overs. But also, I think in Australia, we won't be able to rely on four overs from Livingston or Moeen as much next year, whereas a couple overs from Stokes, maybe if if there's a left-handed opener, bowl Moeen for like a couple overs at first, that gets you by. I don't think we'll be able to get four overs from Moeen or Livingston consistently, but Stokes at, Stokes at three maybe, which is in the team I've I've gone for um, with Milan gone, even though he's he's obviously famously really good at, with the bouncing ball. He was terrible in the big bash last year. It was really hard to watch. He came in. I don't know, Dan, if you remember, Will Jacks played like a few games before Milan came in and Will Jacks played like got like a duck two and then got dropped. And then Milan came in and just didn't, as well. didn't do any better. Yeah, I remember being like, Will Jacks, great opportunity for him. <laughs> Balls a bit of spin, top order player. <laughs> Um, yeah, other than that, Saqib Mahmood is the big one. He'd be great down under, won't he? Surely. And he's he's going to the Big Bash with the Sydney Thunder this year. Him, Brilliant. him, Sam Billings, and the big name I'm going to mention are all going to be playing for Sydney Thunder. So that could be everyone's Big Bash side. Although I usually support their. Can, City can we rival. have can we have this name now, Zach? With T. So the big name. I have no long. idea where this. You have is no going. idea who's going to be. So the big name is 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 the man that Morgan doesn't get along with. The politics are famous, uh, and it's a certain Mr. Alex Hales, whose record in Australia is, well, in the Big Bash is unbelievable. He averages 33, a strike rate of 155. 
He scores 68% of his runs in boundaries. And compared to some, there's a guy on Twitter who, who who's like an analyst for, he's an analyst for like Leicestershire and a couple of franchise teams. Done a really good piece about the West Indies, what the West Indies can do now, which I'd recommend everyone to read. And he says that the kind of, compared to a lot of the West Indies batsmen, that like that, that he's way above that in scoring boundary percentage. And obviously, as we know, you score more boundaries, you win more games. So it is, it's worth noting that the Big Bash is way more, this is just the Big Bash that he's done this in, and it's way more batsman friendly than the CPL or West Indies pitches. So, you know, slightly skewed maybe, but his stats are amazing. And if he has another really good Big Bash, I think we can't not talk about it, particularly if Morgan retires, and surely it opens the door. I think Indeed. I said it. It would open the spot. I'm sure we talked about this even a year ago, maybe. Yeah. That, that that's almost the last the, the thing that's stopping him getting in the team. I think it was when he, he scored like the fastest hundred in Big Bash history, and we were like, well, maybe, but maybe it's because of maybe it, we're a year early. And I think he said he wants to go for he wants to try and get Chris Gale's record of um the amount of T20 runs, the most T20 runs, which I think, considering Chris Gale's still playing, I think he's going to be hard. But fair play to him. <laughs> it's a moving target, still, isn't it? Yeah, and I also think, and I'll come back to Milan one more time. But the fact he's now not number one batsman in the world means England can drop him because I feel like that was, that was like the only reason he's in the team. So now he's number two. Drop him. Hales comes in. I think in the team you proposed Zach, excuse me, you had Stokes at three, which I like a lot. I think he's wasted as a finisher. So yeah, positive signs for England. And I think we were pre-tournament favourites. No, we weren't. India were. They were my pre-tournament favourites. That was it key difference and a semi-final berth is good and it's a knockout game it's i don't think there's i don't think we need to to fully castrate the team here yeah absolutely it's a knockout game these things happen teams lose teams play badly on the day it the only thing is is kind of the way it happened was almost kind of like the writing was on the wall with the injuries and with the death bowling being well, bad. And, and the I think fact that's... that's the reason we lost the 2016 World Cup final. Like, we learned nothing in five years, basically. That's a long period of time to do the same thing over and over again, which is very frustrating. F- further on, on uh, Will's point around who are the kind of new names to come in, I noticed on that, I kind of scratched down a squad and the only people who aren't in and around the team now are uh, Mahmood and um, Matt Parkinson. Other than that, you know, the team... The team's full of names who are there already. Harry Harry Brook is another interesting one who could come into the middle order. I feel did, like these really sort of names well for... we've seen in the hundred are probably a couple of years out though. They're not gonna mm-hmm. they're not gonna push yeah, Butler I and Bearstow so and Billings out of their place at the minute, are they? Quite yet. Hopefully they can, but a couple of years. Yeah, I, it depends. I think if if Harry Brook is another player going to the big bash, if he has an absolutely amazing big bash and then, you know, then he makes the England side for the West Indies tour in February, then maybe. But yeah. you know, I think he could he could easily debut in the next year. Yeah. But whether he's consistent in the side, yeah, I, I agree, Dan. I think he's more a couple of years out. Yeah, spot on. It'd be interesting to see who you know will get a debut over the next couple of well, next twelve months. You know, who they want to try, they want to experiment with in the various T20s we've got uh, in Pakistan, the West Indies, etc. Lots of cricket to come. It's a world of New Zealand. We'll preview you again very shortly at the end of the pod ahead of the final. Uh, but let's come on to Australia, Pakistan, which finished late. Well, not late last night. Last night. A fantastic game of cricket again. What this tournament needed. Uh, the crowd were awesome. They were cheering anything and everything that Pakistan did. I love that. And it ended in one of the most dramatic fashions I've ever seen. It was, it was stunning. I can't believe Australia won it. 
we have this Australian-New Zealand final somehow. It's the winning mentality, isn't it? Can we talk about that? Glenn's winning mentality. They looked dead. I thought, I, I want to echo what Glenn said. I thought what Pakistan put on the board was enough. I thought they had them right where they wanted them when Warner went, despite not nicking it. Also hilarious. And he's got a dusty cap to, to Matty Wade, unfortunately. That's not a sentence I'd like to say. But to hit three sixes in a row off Shaheen Shahafridi, who had the entire crowd behind him, was unbelievable. And I think that's one of the most enjoyable semifinals I've, I've ever watched. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it it doesn't feel good, I'll be honest, to say props to Matthew Wade and Australia. No, it doesn't, does it? It's not very natural on this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, you do have to give it to them. It was interesting, in his interview afterwards, he said, basically, we got to the point we needed enough runs that I just thought I'm going to premeditate shooting it. And and he was really surprised that the Pakistan bowlers kept putting pace on and not really trying anything that different. He was just like, well, that made it really easy. I just lifted it over and got an instant six for it. Um, so maybe there's, I mean, it's a, it's a very similar story in some ways to the to the way England went down, losing so many runs really, really quickly at the death when they probably shouldn't have done um, with some questionable death bowling, which is a shame given that Pakistan were probably one of the teams before the tournament that we looked at and said they should have pretty good death bowling. Yeah, exactly. And is is Zach? Is it simple to say that Hassan Ali dropped dropped the tournament for them? No, no, I don't think it is that simple. Oh, that's nice. I think that's really it's really unfair. I think the the fact that Shaheen Shahafridi's got away with being hit for three sixes in a row. That's true. That's very very true, isn't it? <laughs> and also, on top of that, I said on Twitter and I said in our chat before. These two, I mean, it, first of all, really funny that um, it's these two again after, because after the South Africa game, Stoinis went on the Grade Cricketer podcast and was talking about what it's like batting with Matthew Wade. And if anyone hasn't had a chance to listen to it, there's just some hilarious like snippets that have come out of that. Like, I have seen that interview. It's yeah. like high, high quality. Wade shouting, they're nervous, we're calm, and saying, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, Stoin, when they're starting to run a single. So just thinking of that last night, can imagine what Stoinis was going through with Matthew Wade at the other end, just being like, "Yeah, I'm going to try and ramp this and it going for six. And but because Wade's a weird one, because we mentioned on our preview pod that his his average batting numbers four to seven in T20 cricket is, is something like twelve, or was before the was before the World Cup, at a strike rate of like one oh nine, and it was really bad. And I think he'd been batting at kind of four or five before quite a lot, hasn't really batted this low as seven. And if you bat in the middle order, four or five, you're going to face more spin. And both him and Stoinis are not very good at facing spin. But Pakistan didn't bowl spin at them. I said when when they came in, bowl Imad Wazim's last over now. He had one more over. You don't need to rely on the overs from Hassan Ali because Hassan Ali is, he can bowl quick, but he's a flawed bowler. And Harris Ruff hadn't been good either. If you can bowl Imad Wazim, maybe even bowl an over of, of Hafiz if they're really struggling against it. I know Hafiz obviously bowled that delivery, which we definitely need to come on to because it's hilarious. Never seen that uh, to Warner. Hilarious. I mean, I have many times on the cricket pitch, but not in a professional game. <laughs> I've uh, bowled it many times in my life. <laughs> not in a World Cup semi-final. But the fact that they didn't bowl spin to them, and these two, they opened the batting in the big bash. They love hitting pace. And like you said, they didn't, they didn't bowl enough change-ups him going to seven worked in this game and it worked against South Africa as well, because both times he's been able to just face pace and Stoinis as well, been able to face pace. And, you know, if they'd have bowled that extra over a spin, who knows? They might not have taken a wicket, but they could have taken it deeper. Maybe. I don't know. They're quite clearly, obviously their pace bowling and 
is their strength, Pakistan. You wouldn't say, you wouldn't put Shadab Khan or Imad Wazim in the kind of, they're not in the kind of upper, they're not like top tier spinners. The, you know, Shadab Khan had an unbelievable um, game yesterday, but they're not the best. So I understand why they didn't back them, but also I, I would have gone one more over a spin at least out these two. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Well, was it enough runs on the board? I, I thought I thought it was. I thought it was a fairly well-paced innings. And I think, you know, as you've spoken about, with that bowling attack behind you, you should think that amount of runs is is just about right. Or or do you disagree? And maybe that, that opening stand was a little bit slow for some. I think they should have got a few more on the board, but I mean, really, Australia chased it with a whole over to spare, so it probably didn't make much of a difference. It's mad that both finals ended with an over to spare, despite being as close as they were. If you know, what I mean, I think it's to your point, Will, that it got out of hand so quickly for both bowling sides in that second innings. Yeah, and it shows what a couple of um, massive, massive overs can do for innings. I mean, they had they had um, Sam Curran on the on the Sky or BT, whoever had it, and and he was basically saying, yeah, it looks like a lot of runs, but we just count it in terms of boundaries, and it's like Ooh, five, right. five, five sixes, and suddenly it's almost a run of ball, which is fair enough. That's such an um, interesting way to look at it, actually. Yeah, and it's and it's to, to Zach's point about the West Indies all the time that at, at the end of the day, if you get your six number considerably higher than the opposition's, you're probably going to win, and mm. it's interesting that that's how the players now are now are seeing it. Um, I thought I thought they should have got a little higher. I mean, I, I remember at the start of that innings, they were saying par was about 180, and I think they were predicted to get what, like 185, 190. Mm. Um, so they fell a little bit short of that. Some people have been criticising Babrazam for going a little bit slowly in the middle. I think he ended for something like 46 or 40, yeah. which is a bit of a plod. In fact, some people were comparing his numbers to um, Jinky Rahane's in that famous uh, yes. 2016 semi-final, which there is a little bit of similarity there, um, and it was a little bit slow. But... I mean, it was it was disappointing that they both slow him and Rizwan both slowed up after starting really well. I think that's mm. what they'll be frustrated with. They got away in the power play and were starting to do really well on motor, and then they both slowed down, which they are both prone to do. Um, but at the end of the day, they did very well. I think in the end, actually, after that slowdown, they put on quite a few in the last three four overs. Um, so sort of both things are true at the same time. I guess they did well to get to what they got, but also as an innings as a whole, they probably should have got a bit more. Credit where it's due to Adam Zampa, though he bowled well again and got the wicket of got the wicket of Baba after kind of it was the last ball of the over. It had been a really tight over, went for I think three or four runs, and it was like oh they, they were saying on commentary, careful of the boundary off the off the last ball of the over. It was Mark Nicholas saying, mm, get, out your, over, get out your yeah, over, get out your over, get out your over. This is a captain's nightmare, a boundary off the last ball, and then he got the wicket. You know, the absolute best possible outcome. Warner jumping up like a little child and catching it fucking <laughs> on, from the sky. On, on Zampa, I think he's had a fantastic tournament for, for either of you this. Has he sort of pushed himself into the upper echelon of, of leg spinners in, in world T20 cricket now? My only relevant comment on Adam Zampa is, controversially, I don't think his haircut is that stupid. I think I it think suits him. It, it, it suits him because he's a bit of a maverick, isn't he? And exactly. If that's I was the, brand. the mullet, the mullet thing sort of in right now. It was a, He's had it more extreme than that before, I think. He has. Uh, it's a little bit pared back. Toned it down. I think he's found like. the right balance between a normal haircut, a full ratty mullet, and whatever this is. But yeah, I I, I agree. I think he is up there. <laughs> On his bowling, yes, he is. On his bowling, he's yeah. He's had a great. He's had a great tournament. On Zampa's haircut, I do wonder because he used to have a <laughs> you know cricket chat. Oh, don't need that. Um, on Zampa's haircut, I do think that uh, 
because he, he's kind of he used to have like a much longer mullet. I wonder whether the humidity and the time in the UAE is mm. part of the reasoning behind the change. Well, whenever the England bowlers or yeah, the bowlers, I remember Stuart Broad would always get a buzz cut whenever he went to the subcontinent. So maybe it's part of that sort of, you know, but also, tact- tact- yeah. tactical hairstyles. I don't know. That's that's a weird way to view it because also the, I saw something talking about um I can't remember who it was talking about South Africa that South Africa when they played in the um subcontinent they'd get uh beard they'd all grow beards to protect themselves from the sun rather than the other way around. Interesting. Uh-huh. Well, I guess it's not on top of your head then keeping you warm yeah. stuffy. It's on the on your face more. I think I'd want the 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 release of heat from the top of my head and then <laughs> protecting yourself from the sun. Right. Okay. Cricket hairstyles. There we go, boys. Um, any more? Any more in Australia? Oh, quick shout out to Rizwan, by the way. Have you seen the images of him in hospital um, from two or three days ago? Quite a serious lung infection or something terrible. It was. It was from the night before the game, the and he was before. lying. In, he was lying in hospital with a chest infection. Unbelievable. Comes out the next morning. Absolutely crazy. And he looks. He looks. He was smiley. He was happy when he was keeping. Yeah. Very good knock at the top. He took a bouncer to the head. And no. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, his, carry on. His helmet Smiling. looked. His helmet looked done in as well. I can't yeah. believe they didn't change the helmet. <sighs> Crazy. So good Amazing. for him. Props to him. What? And I think just we'll we'll finish on Pakistan here, and move to Australia, and we'll preview the final actually. But they were your pre-tournament favourites, Zach. To be fair, and I think a lot of people liked them. However, the narrative quickly changed when they beat India. But let let's go back to before that India game and think what was a good tournament for Pakistan. And I think this constitutes one, right? And I think what happened was, and rightly so, is they got on, you know, they got on a bit of a run. They beat India undefeated in the group stages, and then they were the favourites. But if we if we if we go back to the start of the tournament, this is a good result for them, right? And I think they've got something to build on. Yeah, completely. I yeah, before the tournament, I said how they should you know expect to absolute minimum semi-finals, could easily you know be kind of you know not dark horses, but they weren't kind of like we didn't put them in our three favourites, and a lot of people didn't. But they would certainly, everyone would have put them as a semi-finalist. And yeah, because they were playing on pitches that they're pretty used to, they, their, their kind of whole setup is suited to these kind of slightly lower scoring games. I think the reason they might struggle in Australia next year is because they don't hit 200 very often. They don't hit two, they don't hit more than 200, you know, very often. They, you know, they're, they, they, they get to par and then they have a good bowling attack. And that good pace attack, Harris Ralph was really good in the in the Big Bash a couple of years back, had a bit of a breakout season after, you know, on the kind of more international stage after being good in the PSL. So their bowling attack should be really good in Australia, but their batting is the worry. If we come on to um, the final then, boys, who's going to actually win it? I know we all want New Zealand to win it, but I think... David Warner's in such good nick that I think Australia going to win it. He's in such good nick that he'll walk off when he hasn't even hit the ball. So that shows where he's at. I'm worried that Australia's going to go and win this thing. I'm also worried about that. I was watching David Warner yesterday, I was like, blimey. He's, you know he's in really good nick when he really, you know, it's a really good ball and he manages to hit it so perfectly that it, he manages to chase, get two in. But like a really good ball still goes for two. That That's when you know David Warner's really, and he's, and I think he's fastest man between the wickets in world cricket. And when he's hustling, harrying like a little, you know, terrier, it's it's <laughs> it's a scary sight for any bowler. And that that ball that we, yeah, the fact that he managed to smack that for six was a bit silly, wasn't it? Because it didn't how bounce. How can you get that much power in a ball that's just like just bounced twice? 
So it, it happens quite regularly in my uh, midweek league that <laughs> yeah, someone will bowl that I'm ball. Sure. And I always obviously try and hit them like David Warner did because it's a no ball. I can't get out. But I always end up like shanking it and getting a single, which means I'm I've not seen, on strike for the free hit. Which I've is seen so people take like divots out of the pitch trying to hit that, you know, just chunking yeah. it. And it was almost like a hockey shot. It was it was unbelievable. I think it went like 80 meters. It, it was outrageous. Um, and then I just don't like their bowling attack. And as much as I like New Zealand and, and they beat us pretty comprehensively in the end, I just think I'm sure you're going to have the edge this time. I disagree. Nice. You have been I back. Think... You have to. Been back I want you to do for about two weeks now. Will to be yeah. fair. I have. I have to double down on it now. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. I. I don't want I this put them to be in the my... sunrise and shout again. I don't want this to be, this oh, is the classic okay. Will Singh shout that looks really, really good just until the until last. Until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. The difference, of course, is that time I backed David Warner. Yeah, <laughs> this true. time I'm not going to. Um, no, I think it's, it, it is unfortunately Glenn's winning mentality thing coming back. Unfortunately, they are just quite good at winning games of cricket. And uh, as we said, no, like nobody in this tournament has put on a good score against them. They, they, they are able to contain, in fairness, better batsmen than I think Australia have. I think if you, if you can at least manage David Warner, you know, you're, if, he's going to get to probably 40 odd. If you can, if you can walk off like he did against, against Pakistan, <laughs> if you can at least contain that, I think you have a really, really good chance of being Australia because Maxwell's not been in the best of form, who I think is their next best bat- batter. Finch hasn't done a huge amount in this tournament. So, and you're quite hot on there bowling attack Dan I think mainly because you enjoy seeing a, a test bowling attack I do just like I like line and length Will I think line and length uh, is good in any game any surface any country I don't, I don't love how they've been bowling Hazelwood had a little bit of looking very sad for I, himself Hazel, <laughs> Hazelwood loves going for 50 and he'll pick up either four wickets or none <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple so as that so, uh, whatever he does you, you'll go for 50 and Pat Cummins is the one who's kind of you know he's the weaker member of that attack but he yeah. only went he went for three he bowled loads of change-ups in that penultimate over and went for three so if he can you know manage that again then pretty good but otherwise i worry about him bowling at the death hazelwood you know like i i think i, I said on our chat i was going to say oh wow he's such an improved death bowler and then he bowled a no ball that went for four and then went for six it was trife wasn't it thinking oh. thinking of the bowling though if it was new zealand against pakistan i think i would find it a lot harder to pick new zealand because i think just the type of batter that they are, most of those New Zealand players. Them against Shahina Freedy, I, I don't love those chances. I don't love anyone's chances against Shahina Freedy, apparently, apart from Matthew Wade. Um, they're not going to worry about a bit of line and length from Pat Cummins, are they? No, they're, they're, they're very similar-ish teams, aren't they? I'm not just saying that because they're from similar parts of the world, but they have similar attacks. Like They've both got their test attack, effectively. They've both got a good leg spinner. They've both got decent opening bats. But I mean, how big is the loss of Conway going to be, do we think? I mean, obviously, Will Phillips deputises as keeper. I don't really know the depth of New Zealand's squad, to be perfectly honest. I don't know who's going to come in at four or five. So so previously, they had Cypher as a keeper. Oh, fair enough. He played the, he played the first game or the, or the first or second game and, and kept and then got... You know, shoved out of the side for I can't remember who came in, but then obviously they just decided to go with the kind of part-time keeping of Conway, who interestingly played. He played a he played a four-day game for Somerset and kept, and then the next game, it was almost like there was rumours that he'd kind of refused to get ke- to keep for the next game. Nothing ever confirmed, but like the fact that he was like, if I'm going to play another game for you guys, I'm not I'm not keeping again. Like, no way am I keeping. <laughs> so, you're Somerset. Calm down. Yeah. Okay, it's a bit of loss of Conway. I mean. Oh. 
it's quite close, isn't it? It feels close. It's, I, I, let's just hope it's a good game. Let's just hope the toss doesn't decide it when you know one of those. And let's hope it lives up to how good those semi-finals were. So uh, one thing that that could be annoying if they do win it, like I thought of um, earlier, is well, Australia, that they, if Australia win it. Sorry, no, no. If New Zealand do manage to win it, so okay, not that clear at all. No. Uh, if New Zealand do manage to win it, is obviously they will hold the T Twenty World Cup and the Test World Championship at the same time, and they were so close. They so they could be so close nice. to. And how many times? I mean, obviously, it's the first time anyone could could ever hold all three. Mm. You know, yeah, everyone's so true. Imagine like, holding all three the literally the first time available. And New Zealand doing it. Come on, they yeah. you know famously overachieve, and they're the they're the underdogs. Everyone still calls them the underdogs, don't they? It's funny, isn't it? It's like no, pretty good. Quite good. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. said this. I said this in our group chat after the semi final. I think in 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 a few days' time, they will be recognised as the best side in the world in every format. Yeah, well, let's hope so, because I think the whole cricketing world wants New Zealand to win this. Don't I kind of hate that, though, because they're just not that good at T20 cricket. Neither of these teams are. No, they're are. not, but they've put, they've put a tournament together. They've yeah. put, they've, they've put seven does games say? together. What does Will say? What do they do, Will? They drag everyone down to their level. <laughs> so, so if they're the best in the world, they're dragging everybody down, the whole world cricket down to their they're level. They're degrading all of world cricket with their presence. I think that's a great place to end it, and I think we all... Here at Rainstop Play, want New Zealand to win. If they do, that'll be great. If they don't, we've got a lot of smug Australians to deal with. And and with an Ashes coming up, that could be quite painful. So that, that will about wrap it up uh, for this episode. We'll be back on Monday for our usual weekly episode where we'll have a little bit of news and we'll obviously round up the final, hoping New Zealand win. Um, we'll also have our Yorkshire special coming next week, Wednesday or Thursday, with a few very special guests. So that's exciting. Keep your eye out for that. So for now, boys, Glenn, who can't say goodbye because he's asleep, we'll see you next week. Uh, Zach, we'll see you on Monday. Enjoy the final. Yeah, see you on Monday. And all we've got to remember is those that test match um, bowling attack for Australia. They look tired, don't they? Another four <laughs> overs each for them. They're tiring already. It's early in the summer. I like yeah. that. You don't early see, you know, broad. Broad and Anderson are, are, are sunning themselves in Australia down the Gold yeah. Coast, making sure they're ready to go. Good spin. Good spin, Zach. Uh, and Will, we'll see you on Monday. Any luck with those tickets? Yeah, I know you, you're frantically doing it during the podcast then. Are we, done, are we, mate. Are we done. We're, we're going to Edgebaston. We're going to Edgebaston, boys. We're going Good. to Edgebaston. Well done, Will. Thanks for sorting them out. Um, Very well. What a test. What, what day would that be? That is day two oh, on, sat- on a lovely Saturday in July. Oh. In Birmingham, the beautiful city of Birmingham. Well, if any other of our listeners are going there, we shall be there July the 2nd. I mean, meet meet and greet Rainstop Play. And and, and, and I'll reiterate, Dan, a second plug. Please stay tuned next week. Yorkshire special, deep dive into the biggest scandal in modern cricket. Exactly. It'll be good. Great, great. That's a better advert than mine was, Will. Great scandal in modern cricket. That was much better. Yeah, keep your eye out for that. We'll plug it again on Monday. Uh, Thank you for listening. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you on Monday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.